Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, Kirby Woods family. What a great day to be together to worship the Lord and hear from Him and celebrate communion at the end of the service today. So we continue to work through the book of Acts in our series, Church on Mission, seeking the guidance of this great book and what a healthy biblical New Testament uh, church should be. And uh, the hope is that every week, as a different chapter passes by, we get a new bit of wisdom from God's Word to us to hopefully shape us, to prepare us in the discernment of what God would have Kirby Woods to be in the future. Today we get what might be called a transitional text in the narrative as it shifts from missionary journey two to missionary journey three. Um, And a new character is met along the way. Last week we got to know Aquila and Priscilla. This week we get Apollos. But before we get to know Apollos, I want to share how this text today mirrors what a healthy church should be and how it reminds me of my time at Kirby Woods about 10 years ago now, 10 years ago now. Um, Time flies, doesn't it? Um, So if you've heard this story, um, I've probably told this at some point, but uh, in short, it does fit today. So I, I left college in 2011 with a business degree and I left my hometown in Lakeland, Florida to relocate here to Memphis, Tennessee to go to seminary at Mid-America Baptist. I'd never joined another church in my life, uh, let alone searched for one because I had always attended the church where my dad was the pastor. That's pretty convenient, right? So for the first time as a new seminary student, I needed to find my own church. Well, I happened to be childhood friends uh, with the niece of Julia Jones. Didn't know that at the time, uh, but Miss Julia recruited me to the church through uh, putting Mike Tabor up to reaching out to me, and he did. And so Kirby Woods was the first church that I ever visited. Within a uh, a few short weeks, I did join as a member and uh, started looking for places and ways to get involved. My first area that I served was... Uh, going to lead the youth worship band every Wednesday. I did that for four years in addition to joining up with the college worship team as well. And uh, in 2012, I was made a ministry intern here. Um, Some call them inflatable cleaners. Other call them ministry interns. Depends the terminology you prefer. But by 2014, I had graduated to a future church planter Uh, which sounds a lot better, and in 2015, sent out. But here's the part that I want to stick with you. I came to Kirby Woods with some base level skills. I could teach some. I could lead a band. I had a decent handle on the Bible for my age, I think. Um, Hindsight's 2020. I may have known nothing. Who knows? Um, I had a good understanding of how to relate to people, of all ages. I could make friends with people who were 17 or 45 or 75. And I understood generally because of my dad being a pastor, how churches operated. Um, I was actively in seminary receiving great training. And with all of these positives that I had in my favor, I still had a lot that I could learn. I still had a lot that I could grow into. If I could grow, my, my thought was, if I could grow in, in my weak spots here at Kirby Woods, I could really be a, a stronger believer used by the Lord, well-rounded and active participant in his kingdom. And guess what? I brought my handful of talents, um, 
and by that I mean the parable of the talents, talents. I brought my talents uh, to Kirby Woods, and they were multiplied here. My five talents that I brought to the table, I think, became 20 by the time I left. I grew greatly in my sanctification and my maturity here. I grew greatly in my understanding of missions and outreach. I grew greatly in my teaching and worship leadership ability. I grew greatly in my spiritual walk with the Lord because I got to hang out with and interact with a lot of godly people for several years. And I remember thinking, this is what a church should be. If you come and plug in and put in some effort, you'll grow. The same thing I experienced at Kirby Woods, the same thing my wife experienced at Kirby Woods, not unique to us, but to so many other people and to so many of you, that's exactly your story here as well. Um, This is the kind of church that we must continue to be. If people come and bring their handful of talents, whether they start with 10, 5, or 1, that they know they'll be multiplied here. This is what I jokingly call this uh, text today, Apollos University. Um, Apollos had a lot going for him, more than I ever had going for me, for the record. But he still had room to grow. And after he met Priscilla and Aquila, he was even stronger for the kingdom. A mark of health, here it is, A mark of health for a local church is to answer this question. Can people spend time among us and grow? That's a base level question every church should answer. If people interact with this body for any length of time, will they come away stronger? That's what we want. That's what we want to prayerfully study today. So before we look at God's word, I invite you to pray with me one more time. Lord, we invite your spirit to move among us and to do mighty things today in this time. As we open your word, God, it's power. You can use it. Uh, You can use a text that uh, I intended for one thing to do something else in someone's life. So, Lord, we just pray that you would use this moment for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts 18.24. Acts 18, 24. We're skipping two paragraphs. Anytime I skip, I like to just tell you what you missed. Um, Last week, Paul was at Corinth. And um, in short, after that, some point after that, Paul was brought before the big city leader named Gallio. And um, he was the proconsul and the Jews had rioted. And so he had to go stand before him. And ultimately, uh, it could have been a really big deal. But Gallio just said, you know what, I'm, I'm not really interested in dealing with this. And he sent him away. So that secured Paul a lot more ministry time. Um, Paul got a haircut. That's really important. I wonder if it was a bowl cut. I hope not. Um, And then Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla go to Ephesus together, which is just a little boat ride across the Aegean Sea, and uh, they land at modern-day Turkey. So uh, they stay there for a little bit. Then they go back down to Caesarea. That's another boat ride um, close to Jerusalem. So that was significant. And they're just, Luke's just flying by this in the text, by the way. He's just saying it kind of on the side. And then they go back up to Antioch, which is the sending church. So once they get back to their sending church, that's pretty much when everyone says that's when the second missionary journey ended. Boom. End of second missionary journey. And then uh, we're told he spent some time there and then he went out again. So that's when the third missionary journey, just one little verse flipped over. Third missionary journey. And now he's heading back on land up back toward Galatia. 
And ultimately, Ephesus is where he's going to go today. So we're going to focus on Apollos today because he's the main character in today's text. So we're going to look at Acts 18, 24 through 25. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately concerning things about Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So we'll pause there. Uh, This is our introduction to the character of Apollos. And as we think about Apollos U today um, and how we want to be a church where people can come, bring their gifts, uh, be changed, equipped, and go out having grown, uh, we're going to look at Apollos as a, a little model for that. So first thing we see today is that Apollos was, number one, gifted through effort. Gifted through effort. That sounds like a backwards, but stick with me and I'll show you. He is gifted through effort. There's some really interesting words used to describe this man. And as we go through these words, I want you to think, man, would, wouldn't it be great if someone said these things about me? I want you to think about that. And then these characteristics, I want you to also think, are these things that he was born with or are these things that through time and discipline he learned? So we'll look. First, we see he's a Jew from Alexandria. Well, you can't learn that, but uh, aside from that, he's a Jew from Alexandria. Um, Where's Alexandria? Anybody know? There's a bold guess. Egypt. Very bold. Egypt. That's right. Egypt. Um, Alexandria was an intellectual hotspot, and many great thinkers came from there, including the Jewish philosopher Philo. Uh, He was Jewish by blood, uh, and culturally... Apollos would have been Alexandrian by culture. Uh, I learned this week reading that there was a massive Jewish population in Alexandria. They said about somewhere between a fourth and a third of that city was Jewish. Learn something. That's a lot of people in a big city. Uh, Verse 24 starts talking about his character, his characteristics. First, he's an eloquent man. The Greek logios. That means he was cultured. He was learned. He was a, a hybrid between the most interesting man in the world And the guy from Men's Warehouse who says that you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it. Um, He knew when to use the little fork at dinner time, and uh, he didn't roll his his napkin into his uh, into his neck uh, (laughs) and put his elbows on the table and say ready for dinner. Uh, He was a man who could navigate high society. Okay. Secondly, verse 24 says he was competent in the scriptures. Now this is the Greek dynatos, which means powerful, mighty. Able. He knew how to handle the word. Uh, there was a certain sense of power when he spoke, authority. Um, when he spoke about the scriptures, he demonstrated an instantly recognizable aptitude. You, you never thought, in other words, you never thought when, when he was preaching, that guy didn't really know what he's talking about. I mean, he's kind of talking in circles or he's, a little, he's rambly a little bit. No, Apollos knew what he was talking about. Verse 25 says, He had been instructed in the ways of the Lord. This is the Greek katecheo, which is where we get our English word. Anyone want to guess? Catechism. Very good. This implies, so that's, so Baptist, that's not even a bad word. Just want to let you know. This implies a formal training. This could mean that he came up in a Jewish training system uh, or that he was uh, discipled by John the Baptist, which is likely, um, maybe both. And so, so this is a picture that he was not like Elijah, for example, 
who was sort of hanging out in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey and uh, covered in hair and came from a place nobody knew about. Uh, Apollos was highly trained. He was trained. Verse 25, we're told he was fervent in spirit. This means that there was an enthusiasm to him when he taught. Uh, He was not simply a uh, detached academic in the ivory tower. Uh, He was a dynamic, charismatic speaker who had natural energy. He had a passion for the Word of God, and he was on fire when he spoke. And lastly, in verse 25, we are told he spoke and taught accurately. So there was a careful attention to detail in the truth that he presented in his public ministry. He wasn't a a huckster or a grifter. He took what he did seriously. He put in the work, and it showed. All right, that's Apollos. Pretty nice list of things to say about somebody, right? Would you like, seriously, answer, would you like someone to describe you as eloquent, competent, instructed, fervent, and accurate? Yes, you would, right? That's, that's great. All, all ye who are words of affirmation people are just like, please say it of me. I, I would argue that by and large, when we look at these characteristics, these are things that can be learned when I look at them, all right? My example, my counterexample is this is not how they described King Saul in the Old Testament, okay? When they were trying to describe King Saul to the people, and they wanted him as a king, how did they describe King Saul? Tall, dark, and handsome, right? Okay, so can you control your height? Can you control your attractiveness? Careful. Can you control where you're born? No, no, you cannot. Generally, no, you cannot. Um, But Apollos' description, he, he was eloquent, competent, instructed, fervent, accurate. Can you learn those things? Yes. There may be some personality at play, but you can become cultured, can't you? You can become competent in Scripture. You can become instructed through instruction. If you're truly passionate about the Lord, that's something that can be birthed in you. Surely there's some personality at play, but that can be grown. You can learn accuracy. You see, sometimes we look at people like Apollos and we just write them off and say, well, they're just born to be awesome. That's just how they are. We say things like, oh, he, he's, well, he's a pastor. He went to seminary. Let me tell you all, that doesn't mean near what you think it means. There's some dopes that I graduated from seminary with, all right, that you should not hire, all right? I'm just telling you. I'm being straight with you now, okay? It doesn't mean what you think it means. So people just say, oh, he's a pastor. He's supposed to know that. No. People just, they might say about someone, oh, well, she's just gifted, you know, look, her personality just gravitates people to her. She's really likable or uh, he's just a natural. He's just born good at everything. But how do you know that Apollos didn't put a lot of time and dedication into his craft because he loved the Lord and wanted to honor him? See, it's easy to write off something as uh, someone's natural gift because it makes us feel better when we don't want to put in the same work as somebody else. The truth is, you can do a lot of wonderful things for the Lord if you would just put in some time and effort. Sometimes it's natural to you. Sometimes it's not. I feel like you're a little uncomfortable right now. Can I tell you what the word disciple means? Discipline. Okay? That's what this means. That's part of this. 
Many of the disciplines in your life will not come naturally, but if you wait around for them to feel natural, you'll never start anything. If you sit around and say, man, I don't feel like growing with the Lord today. I'll wait till I feel like it. It's over. It's over. You start and then you pray to God that the feelings catch up with your body. That's how you do it. That's how you get a good quiet time going. I'll just tell you the secret is to start. Don't wait around to feel like you want to start. Don't just read this as Apollos is one of those good guys who's good at everything. Read it as look at what the Lord did through his life when he put in time and submitted to him. Ask, what might the Lord do through me were I more disciplined? Boy, that's a deep question to ask. So Apollos came to Ephesus with a lot of gifts on the table. He had lots of talents entrusted to him by the Lord. Paul and Aquila and Priscilla meet him there as he's boldly preaching to the Jews. But as much as Apollos had, and he had a lot to offer, he still had an area to grow. Isn't that something? Even those who we think are Mr. or Mrs. Perfect still have something to learn. So we've seen he was gifted through effort, but next we see he was grown through equipping. He was grown through equipping. Can I preach for 30 seconds before I get back to what I was doing? This is important, okay? One of the values that I believe we, at some point, must enshrine in our church culture is that we prioritize equipping over entertainment. This, this thing we do together called church, it's not to make you laugh, cry, feel warm fuzzies, and go home. That's a movie. You can go to the theater and watch something at the Orpheum for that. That's called entertainment. And guess what? That's fine. It has its place. But that's not what this is for. This is for equipping, meaning the goal is that you go away with more tools in your tool belt to live the Christian life than you had. You go away with strength from the Lord you didn't have before. You go away having dealt with your sin burdens You go away ready to meet trials and temptations of various kinds. You go away prepared to answer the hard questions of life that are thrown at you. That's an equipping ministry. And as the song says, we come broken to be what? Mended. We come wounded to be healed. You bring your deficiencies and your weaknesses, and by God's grace, by the regular hearing of the gospel, by the application of God's word, by the friction of iron on iron, you will be sanctified. That's what we want to do here at Kirby Woods. Not entertain you, but rather equip you. We see a picture of this, a small picture of this, but still it's there in verses 25 through 27. Let's read this together. Verse 25 He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Though, everybody say though. Oh, that's an important though. He knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. 
So for all of Apollos' great characteristics, and, and there were many, he still had a weakness. Now, so y'all are already thinking, what is it? What does that mean? I will tell you, as many commentaries as you can read is the number of opinions you will find um, on what exactly Apollos didn't get right. Verse 25 simply says his mistake was he knew only the baptism of John. Okay, now you can parse that and think, what does that mean? Some folks say he had a bad teaching on baptism. Some folks say he was a, he was a former disciple of John the Baptist. He was aware of Jesus just like John was, but John died early, and so he kind of didn't get the finished story of the cross and the resurrection. Um, so there are many more views. I could give you 10 more, but I'll spare you. The main point is not what Apollos' blind spot was. It's simply that he had one. The text sets you up with all these great glowing characteristics, followed by the fact that Apollos needed to be corrected on something. And we see also here a model of good correction in the church. Priscilla and Aquila hear Apollos' teaching. They notice, they spend a lot of time with Paul in Corinth. They notice there's one particular thing. Hey, that's, that's not right. That one particular thing, he's off on it. So what do they do? They stand up and shout in the middle of the synagogue, hey, falsehood. Is that what they do? Do they write about him on Facebook? Do they go around and tell all the other church members individually? Well, you know, he was wrong about that particular one thing. Did they do that? No. They pulled him aside privately, and they explained the error to him first. They equipped Apollos for ministry by smoothing out one of the bumpy spots in his theology. So, pop quiz. This is really hard. You ready? Kirby Woods, pop quiz. If you have a problem with somebody in the church, what's step one? Go to them personally and privately. Just say, PP, that's all I need to know, personal and private. Go to them personal and private. That's not just here in Acts. That's also in Matthew 18. And there's another really underrated gift that Apollo shows here. So we said all the gifts he had earlier. Here's another gift that's not even written down, but you can tell he has it. How does Apollos receive correction from Priscilla and Aquila? Really well. He learns from them in a moment that we'll see he fixes his error. He goes on to have an even more effective ministry. One of the single greatest young people, look at me, I love you, listen to this. One of the single greatest characteristics that determines whether a person will grow in their life is whether or not they choose to receive correction from other people. If you are not teachable, you will remain stagnant. Even worse, if you're not teachable, you will be like iron that is never sharpened by iron. You ever seen something that was supposed to be sharp and it just gets dull over and over and over again. That's what happens. You're trying to cut steak with a butter knife, just progressively more and more dull. So we cannot be an equipping church if that thing never happens. If a church never utters the words to anybody, actually that's not correct. Let me show you the truth. If we never utter those words, we will never be an equipping church. Equipping growth requires humility amongst its membership, a willingness to learn from others that God has placed in your life from your own good, and to submit, most of all, to the truth found in Scripture. 
How easily would it have been for Apollos with all his various gifts and accolades and backgrounds to say to Priscilla and Aquila, and, and who are you? You guys are tent makers, right? What do you know about the Bible? I've trained my whole life. I'm from Alexandria. You're from Pontus. Okay, let's get it straight. But that was not his approach. You ever listen to the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill? Anybody? Show me if you've ever listened to that. Okay, not many of you. It's a pretty interesting listen, all right? Pretty interesting listen. Um, it's about Pastor Mark Driscoll of Mars Hill Church in Seattle and kind of their, the cratering of that massive church movement. Um, Mark Driscoll was overseeing a church that was growing at an incredible rate. And he had a lot of good things that he was doing and saying, but there were many questionable things that he was doing and saying, especially things behind the scenes people didn't know about. And someone recommended, a mentor tried to go to him and say to a young Mark Driscoll, who was fast becoming a celebrity pastor, that he needed an older, seasoned pastoral mentor in his life to check on him. And the comment was made, you know, Pastor Mark, it, it may be beneficial. Why don't you give John Piper a call? He knows you. He listens to you. He's been at a few things with you. I think he would, I think he would do it. I think he would be that older pastor in your life that would, would check on you as a mentor. And Driscoll's response back was reportedly, my church is way bigger than John Piper's. What could he teach me? Friends, all of us should be able to receive correction from anyone. Listen to this. If King David can be called a murderer by Nathan the prophet, anybody can bring God's truth to anybody. The beautiful part of this story is that Apollos receives the personal, private, gentle correction. He receives it, and he grows from it. He who had so much already grew in the Lord because of the body of Christ doing what it was supposed to do. That's a good church, a place where the weak become strong and a place where the strong get stronger. That's a good church, a place where everyone has room to grow. So we've seen Apollos was gifted through effort. He was grown through equipping. Lastly, we'll see that he was gained through encouragement. He was gained through encouragement. I'm going to read you that Matthew 18 verse now because it has this word that I want you to see. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have what? Gained your brother. Now, we don't know that Apollos was ever in sin. I don't want to insinuate that I know his deficiency was a sin issue. We don't know that. Um, but the phrase, you have gained your brother, came to my mind in this story. Priscilla and Aquila did exactly what Matthew 18 says. They went to him and told him his fault alone. He listened. They gained a brother. And that's what I want to focus on in this final point is not simply that Apollos was gained to Aquila and Priscilla, although he was, but that he was gained for the kingdom of God because they went to him and corrected him because they did that hard work, that uncomfortable potentially work, he then could bring that new truth to thousands of people as an effective gospel preacher. Look at Acts 18, 27 through 28. 
as what happens after they pull him aside. So they've already corrected him. And verse 27 says, And when he, Apollos, wished to cross to Achaia, that's basically Corinth, by the way, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Here's what happens after Apollos is gently corrected. He goes over to Corinth with a letter of recommendation from Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila to the churches. And the letter encourages those churches to welcome him. They're basically saying, trust this guy. We know him. He's going to come preach. He's, he's with us. He's good. And then immediately he has a powerful ministry to the Jews testifying that the Christ is Jesus. So what does this prove? It proves that Apollos continued in ministry after he was corrected. It proves he wasn't all bent out of shape toward Paul or his team. He responded to the correct teaching of the word of God and continued toward truth. How effective would Apollos be in his ministry? Well, Paul would later write to the church at Corinth about their problems. They had a lot. He would reel, uh, reveal to them that uh, he knew about their divisions. So Paul said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, I know about the factions that are in your church. You have three groups, and they're all saying, one is saying, I'm from Paul, one's saying, I'm from Peter, and one's saying, I'm from Apollos. So to be clear, that's not good. But what it shows you is the significant effect that Apollos had in Corinth, that he would be mentioned alongside Peter and Paul. That must have been a significant leader to be in that category. So here's my point. Apollos went from a very gifted man who, who was probably a long lost disciple of John the Baptist who had a couple of holes in his incomplete theology. He went from that to a very gifted man who knew the gospel and had the truth and was even more effective for the kingdom of God. So Apollos came in with a lot of raw materials, but he was benefited greatly from the sharpening of iron on iron. He ended up being a powerful laborer in the kingdom. And Kirby Woods, this is what we can be for those who come through our doors or for you in your own life. Ephesians 4.15 says that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. We are to grow. That's what churches are supposed to do. Help you grow into Christ. Help you grow into the body and equip you for ministry out there. I want Kirby Woods to own this as who we are and what we do, to be known as Apollos University. That should be a wonderful compliment for a church, that someone who, the kind of church where someone who already has great skills and a love for the Lord can come and plug in and still have something to learn and somewhere to grow. A simple litmus test for a healthy church is this. Can someone come, plug in, and grow? That's really simple. Can someone come, plug in, and grow? If a true new believer comes at the beginning of their spiritual journey, can they come, plug in, and grow? 
if a strong, mature believer joins, can they come, plug in, and grow? Healthy churches can say yes to both of those scenarios. And so a question for our reflection today as a church, what role can you play in making Kirby Woods the kind of church where an Apollos can be encouraged and grow and be sent out for kingdom service? Let's pray.